So every year when we do Operation Christmas Child, we are reminded in some of the videos that these gifts go all over the world and that there are children 10, 11, 12, however many years old who will open a Christmas gift for the very first time in their lives. Now, I guess for most of us in this room, that's pretty astounding, right? Um, Easy to take a gift for granted, right? Um, We've always bought shoes for our, when we did that. And um, we go to Walmart this week, and there's 10-foot-long, 15-foot-long shelf, double-sided of clearance shoes. You know, five bucks a pair. And you're like, wow, I just, 20 bucks, bought four pairs of shoes. Some kid will open that and be astounded, and I'm just looking at him, right? Um, I think very easy to take gifts for granted. And sometimes I really wonder, I wonder if we believe, <coughs> sorry, I swallowed crooked a minute ago. Um, if we believe in an actual pure gift, like, you know, there's no free lunch. Um, you know, even at Christmas time, better not pout, I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming. He's making a list, checking it twice, blah, blah, blah. Naughty or nice. Right? Even then, there was like a little something held over your head. Maybe there's strings attached. But I mean, come on. If there was a naughty list, do you know how many Christmases I would have gone without getting anything? And I'm looking around this room and I'm thinking, yeah, some of you too, right? (laughs) But I think there's something we need to be very, very careful to make a distinction between because it's easy to confuse them. Um, I think we need to make sure we understand that there's the difference between there being no conditions in receiving something and then there being expectations upon its receptions, upon its reception, right? Like... I'm giving you this gift 100% free. You're not doing anything to earn it. It's pure grace. Um, you're not, you did zilch to merit this. As a matter of fact, you did the opposite of merit this. You don't even, you did the opposite of deserving this. You do not deserve this. You earned the opposite of a gift. You earned condemnation, but I'm giving you a gift on no conditions. That's not the same as saying there are no expectations. There can be expectations with a gift. For instance, if I gave you a bicycle for Christmas, I could give you that without any condition upon your having to receive the bicycle. You could have been a naughty kid 364 days that year. One good day in May, you were good. The rest... You're naughty, but I gave it to you out without any condition on being... But I did have one expectation, that you would learn to ride it. 
Do you see the difference? So, when we receive Jesus Christ, we receive his forgiveness, we receive eternal life, we receive that without condition, but we do not receive him without expectation. And when we receive him, he brings a whole lot of beautiful, amazing stuff with him. Because we do not receive salvation apart from receiving him. It's not like Jesus says, here, here's all this stuff. I'll stand over here and watch you open it. He says, no, yet to all who received him, we receive Jesus and then he gives us eternal life. But he gives other gifts as well. When he comes and the Holy Spirit comes into us, he brings gifts. He brings gifts. Maybe a gift in our text today. Um, and it's a whatever kind of gift. Um, in our text, it's a, well, we'll get there. You might call it a supernatural empowerment for a specific kind of service in the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit brings that, and he doesn't give it to you on condition that, but he does give it to you on expectation that, right? So we finish up whatever. Let me wrap it up with a recap. Week one was, why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God's in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Our God is not hindered by anything outside of himself and his desires are perfect. So when our God does whatever he desires, he has perfectly holy desires and nothing will stop him. He does whatever he pleases. And when Jesus healed that lame man by the pool, he just said, hey, my father's been working up to this point, and whatever I see my father do, I join him in that work. So I'm just doing whatever he does. And then Jesus tells the disciples, oh, you're going to be arrested, you're going to be flogged, you're going to be beaten, you're going to be dragged in the, into the synagogue, you're going to be dragged before the city council, you're going to be dragged before governors, you're going to be dragged before kings, and you're going to be sitting in prison the night before, and your temptation is going to be to be anxious. Oh, what am I going to say? When they, what if they ask me this? What if they ask me this? What am I going to tell them? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? And Jesus says, I don't want you to do that. I just want you to be at peace. And when you get in front of that king, I just want you to say whatever the Spirit gives you, and it'll be as if God is talking to that person. As a matter of fact, just spend the night before singing. Say whatever. And then last week, we had that really difficult text about whether you eat certain types of food, meat offered to idols, and that was all complicated. I hope that made sense last week, but in the end, the whole goal was whether you eat, drink, or, or don't drink, or whether you eat or don't eat, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And in that context, what it means to do whatever you do for the glory of God, it means you be thinking about the people you're trying to reach the gospel, and you be thinking about the people you're discipling and make those decisions based on those people, whatever, for the glory of God. Today we finish up whatever with whatever gift you've been given. Peter, writing to a church, facing intense trials, intense suffering, is explaining to them um, that, that you, you're in this world as foreigners, as exiles, and, and, and you need to, to learn that as foreigners and exiles, you're going to suffer, and you need to make sure you're suffering for, for doing good. 
Okay, you're suffering for righteousness sake. You're not, don't be suffering because you're just acting like jerks. Suffer for righteousness and goodness. And don't act like something crazy is happening when, when things get difficult. This is just the way it's going to happen when you're a foreigner in this world. And he tells them, the end of all things are at hand. And this is how I want you to live. So 1 Peter chapter 4, covering up a couple of verses, starting in verse 1. Actually, not in verse 1, verse 7. Sorry, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, here's a great little test, isn't it? If you knew the end was around the corner, what would you do? The end is at hand. Uh, panic? No, no, don't panic. Um, <laughs> the end of all things is at hand. Um, what do we do? The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert. That's a good thing, alert. Be sober-minded, be clear-minded, be self-controlled, be clear-minded so that you may pray. Says, Paul says in Romans 13, understand this, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Wake up from your slumber. Your salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Peter says, prepare your mind for action. Be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Be sober-minded. Be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. So the end of all things is at hand with the end of all things at hand, you need to be praying, which doesn't sound very action-oriented, does it? The end of all things at hand, you better be doing stuff. Well, stuff number one is self-control, clear head, pray. Number one. Number two, this is a doozy. And above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. So the end of all things are near. Be praying and be loving. Love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up conflict. Love covers over wrongs. Peter says in the first chapter, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. This isn't like surface love. This is deep, deep love. And the assumption here is, did you catch this? The assumption is that if your living life together is a church, are you ready for this? Apparently you will sin against each other. Christians, get out of town. No, really? Apparently a multitude of times. A multitude of times? No, we're Christians. We don't sin against each other. Apparently we will. And that's hard to hear. That is so hard to hear. And he says, it's going to happen. And it will be to your glory, he says in the Proverbs, to be able to cover that over. Like, dig a hole. Put the sin in the hole, cover it over, 
Let the grass grow back over the hole so that eventually you don't know that you got some sin there. Why? Because you loved. And love was better than bitterness. Love is better than hatred. And he says it happens apparently more than once. I take a multitude to mean more than 10. I don't know how many is in a multitude. Sounds like a bunch, doesn't it? Sounds like a crowd. Deep love will allow that kind of forgiveness. The end of all things are at hand. Pray. Stay clear-headed so you can pray. Stay self-consoled so you can pray. And then look around. Love each other deeply. The ones who've sinned against you, that love will allow you to bury that and cover it over. Like Jesus Christ has covered over your sins in his love. You will forgive. You will cover over as you have been covered over. Then there's a number three. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. In other words, offer hospitality because you get to, not because you have to. Um, That's an interesting word, like hospitality, like helping other people feel at home in your presence. Even, it's, even if it's not in your home, it's just, we tend to think that, right? Like a, a welcoming people into your home. If, even if it's a hot dog on a paper plate, like you feel good with that. Like you don't have to put on airs. You don't have to be afraid about it. You don't have to, everything doesn't have to be perfectly spick and span. You don't have to be like impressive. It's just, I'm going to help you feel comfortable. Practice hospitality. He says in Romans 12, as if it takes work and we're doing it over and over again. Share with people who are in need. So there's there's a sense that this hospitality meets a need. I, I can say that it was hospitality in a church that brought me to Jesus. It was people who welcomed me in and let me be clueless and let me ask questions and let me be weird and let me say things that didn't make sense. They just kept bringing me in and bringing me in. I remember when we were in Alabama, before we left, there was this couple that had both passed away, and he had, she had never had a job outside the home, but she stayed busy serving people and serving in the church, and he had been a fireman all of his life and retired, and they did not have much. They had a very little simple home, and um, at whoever passed away last, the church was apparently, they had to get out extra chairs to put around the sides of this church. This church was packed with people, packed with people. And the pastor asked, stand up if you ever had a meal on Sunday afternoon in their home. Every single person in the room stood up. It's like, we don't have much, but we'll stick something on a paper plate. Every Sunday afternoon, you knew somebody would be there, right? The ability to make others feel comfortable, loved, accepted. Um, Let's come back to that one. Well, no. Well, yeah. Let's come back to that one. Um, Put that right there. And then he sums it up. Instead of just keeping on going through this, he says, let me just put it this way for you. Verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. This is the idea of the gift. 
whatever gift, whatever, whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Each of you, that's everybody in the room, whatever gift, not like if you happen to get a gift in this whole salvation thing, like you received Jesus, the Spirit came to you, he may or may not have brought a gift, maybe some of you were left giftless, sorry, you know, no. Whatever gift you got, you're a steward of that gift. In other words, you received it without condition, but you did not receive it without expectation. And the expectation is you will faithfully steward it. A steward is someone who is managing something that was given to them. It's not necessarily yours. It's the Spirit's gift in you. So the source of gifts is a person, the Spirit, not a thing, you keep the gift focused on relationship, and it's a gift, and so we are stewards of God's grace. So it's the same spirit in all of us. And we could go through a bunch of different passages and talk about all these different gifts, and we could put them in different categories. Romans 12, for just as each of us has one body with many parts, and all of these parts do not have the same function, in Christ we form a body, and we each have different gifts. So your fingers do one thing, and your eyeballs do another thing, and your ears do another thing, and your toes do another thing, and your kneecaps do another thing, right? All these different body parts come together and form a body, each part doing something different. And the ear doesn't say to the eyeball, well, you loser, you couldn't hear without me, right? No, they all work together. He says that's the way the body of Christ is, and everybody in the body of Christ has gifts that help them important in important ways help the body function. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And he goes through these things. If your gift is prophesying, then do that. Serving, then serve. Teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then encourage. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. 1 Corinthians 12, 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. To some, he says in 1 Corinthians 12, a spirit of wisdom, messages of knowledge. We just go on and on and on. It seems as if there's gifts of speaking, and there's gifts of serving, right? So hospitality, generosity, teaching, speaking. The gift is the stewardship. If you do not know what your gift is, I've got a, I've got a verse for you. It's perfect. You ready? 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7. I'm going to tell you what your spiritual gift is right now. Are you, are, do you have a pen? 1 Corinthians 7, 7. Each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. So your gift is either this or that. I don't see anybody writing that down. That was revelatory, (laughs) y'all. If you've been given a trust, you have to be found faithful. Do you have the gift of helping others? Go back to 1 Peter. 
offer hospitality without grumbling. If anyone speaks, do it as one who speaks the very words of God. So in other words, if you've got a speaking gift, if that means you're back there with first graders or sixth graders, or if that's here, whatever that may be, he says it doesn't say, well, it depends on who you're talking to. He says, no, 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 no. If your gift has somehow has speaking involved, you need to take that seriously and you need to speak as if God has put his words in your mouth. You look at that first grader, that third grader, that whoever it is in the eye, and you speak as if God has given you words and has given you the gift to speak them. And if it's serving, you do that in the strength God provides so that in all things God gets the praise through Jesus Christ. Boy, how many different ways are there just to use a gift of, did you hear the verse I read? Helps, helping, serving. How many bazillion ways are there for that one? Right? Now, we've seen the Tim, some, the Tim Hawkins video, right? You've got a servant's heart. Now stack those chairs, right? There's more than just, <laughs> there's more ways to serve than just stacking those chairs, right? The, good job to whoever stacked chairs this morning. Whoever that was got a servant's heart. Yeah, good job. Um, <laughs> but, but I love, look at the end of verse 10. Well, the tendency would be that if, if it's serving, like you could just say, well, it's just chairs. It's just behind-the-scenes stuff. It's just a soundboard. It's just making sure it's video. And it would be very tempting to say, it's just this. It's just hospitality. I'm just greeting on Sunday. I'm just making coffee. I'm just helping someone in the neighborhood do this. It'd be easy to say it's just this, and then you don't think it's a big deal, or you say, I've done this a thousand times. How hard can it be? And he says, no, 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 you need to back up, and if that's God's gift to you, you need to treat that like you're a steward, and you need to do it in his strength, and that way it'll keep you from saying it's just this, and it'll keep you from grumbling and complaining when you do it. And look at what he says. We've got to come back to this little line. God's grace in its various forms. <laughs> God's gift in you is God's grace to someone else. Isn't that beautiful? God's gift in you is God's grace to someone else in all of its forms. So you just picture now all the different body parts in the body of Christ and all the gifts, all the personalities, all the talents, all the passions, all the ages, all the on and on and on and on it goes. That's all just different pictures of the grace of God. The various flavors, if you will, of God's grace coming to people who say, I'm just stewarding this. This is just whatever gift. I got a speaking gift, but I got a serving gift. I got a giving gift. I've got a leading, administering gift. And you think about this. For every speaking gift, how many serving gifts do you need? (laughs) Isn't that something? I'll tell you a a story. Um, I had gone, I was a pastor in North Carolina while I was still in seminary, and a friend of mine um, had moved to North Carolina and was, they were starting a church in see about an hour away. And they met on Sunday nights in a movie theater. And um, he asked me to come and preach one Sunday night, and so they had to set this place up. And Kelly and I came in, we had a seat, we were early, and there was this man 
who we, who we later found out, had just come to Christ like a few months before that, and he was like 40. He was a brand new believer, and they, one of the first things he had done was he'd gone through this little um, class where he learned his spiritual gifts, and he had learned that he had the gift of helps or service, okay? But he obviously had the gift of hospitality because he saw us and he made a beeline and he was just standing there talking and talking and welcoming us and making sure we felt comfortable and I was preaching and blah, blah, blah. And I will never forget this. Kelly could tell you this story too. He suddenly stopped and said, I'm sorry, I gotta go. We're not through setting up yet. And as he walked away, he turned around, he smiled real being and said, I got the gifts that helps. <laughs> I got the gift of helps. I got the gift of serving. And like, he was so proud of that. And he was just serving with joy. <laughs> God, I always laughed so much at that. That was so beautiful. Yeah. Um, right, so how many of him were there in a context like where preaching happened, right? How many servants did it take to make that happen? I'll give you a, a, another picture. When Karsten, um, how many years ago now? Um, it's before he had a beard, so I don't know how many years ago it was. But, um, um, uh, his first summer working at camp, he was on work crew. Work crew gets up at like six. They all do time with God together. And the first thing they do is they go out and empty yesterday's water containers, those big, huge water containers. And there's like 20 of them. Empty them, fill them back in and put them back in place. Get breakfast ready. I mean, they're just all day getting all the activities ready, scrubbing toilets, mopping floors. It's just grueling. And they go to bed late at night and get up the next day and do it again. And... Um, it's just day after day of doing that. And he said, on the last day, all of the camp counselors, so the counselors are the people in the cabin with the kids doing face-to-face, telling the Jesus stories, sharing the gospel, interacting with the kids. On that last day, all the counselors were all together, like I think they were out on the dock at the lake, and they all had this big group picture made. And Carson said, I was watching that happen, and he said, it was... He said, for the first time, it came clear to him. He said, I realized they can't do their job if we don't do ours. Like, if there aren't 100 people behind the scenes, they can't tell the kids about Jesus. So if I'm not scrubbing a toilet, they have to scrub the toilet, right? So it's time away from the kids. And so um, that summer became very, very life-changing for him because he realized it takes a lot of servants to get the place, to the place where they can... Let me, I want to tell you one more story about hospitality. Um, this is a good one, and Karis is here, so she'll like this. Um, <laughs> when Karis was a little bitty, um, and we lived in a far, far away land over on the East Coast, um, we used to make these trips to Texas once or twice a year. And, um, and I guess Carson and Darby were a little bitty bitty, and we would go to, with my in-laws, to Faith Bible Church. And we would drop Carson Darby off at the nursery. And then we would take Karis down the hall to children's ministry. And we just never knew because it was a big room filled with kids. And there was music playing. And Karis could be very sensitive to loud noises and all that. And we just never knew. Like, new place, new kid, doesn't know these people. It's music, just how is she going to, you've taken your kid somewhere new, you know, you know what I'm talking about. How's this going to go? And so, the first time we did this, we take her in, and there's this lady behind this, this I think she was behind a counter or something, and we're just like, this lady's like, oh, hi. And she offers 
the sweetest, most hospitable welcome to Karis. And she's like, oh, I, I have a redhead. My daughter's a redhead. I'll take you to sit with my daughter. She takes her in and sits her down. And Karis just like walks in like she owns the place, right? Like she's never been here before, but she's totally comfortable. And Kelly and I look at each other and like, that lady made this possible. If it weren't for her, we don't know what would happen. So we come back again like a year later and we're going, okay, how's this going to go? We walk in. Guess what? Same lady behind the thing. Oh, yes. We're so glad she's here. She's the day. Yes, hey, welcome. Holy, the whole thing. Karis walks in, has a seat. Everything's perfect. It's like there's this lady who keeps welcoming our kid once a year, and she makes this whole morning possible. And then we come to Creekside Bible Church a bazillion years later, and we look over, and it's like, <gasps> Kelly, there's that lady. It was Karen Beeman. <laughs> it was Karen Beeman. Hospitality, y'all. Hospitality. Making you feel at home, even if you're a kid and stuff. So I'm just telling you, when you're a faithful steward of that, what does it say? It's the grace of God. It was the grace of God to my family. It was the grace of God uh, to my daughter. And um, so I'm just saying, you get it without condition, but you do not get it without expectation. If you're speaking, speak the word of God. If you serve, do it through the strength of God's surprise. If you're hospitality, do it cheerfully without any sense of fear or expectation that you've got to impress. All of this, it says, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. We, don't, we do not serve God as if he needs anything. We serve for his glory. We serve in the strength he gives. Um, all of this, um, because he's gifted us to do this. So we're saved, justified by grace. We're being saved by grace. One, time, one day the grace of Jesus will appear and we'll be completely transformed by grace. In the meantime, we are gifted by grace. We're gifted by grace, by the Holy Spirit. And when we steward his gift, whatever that is in you, in the church for the kingdom um, we show all the flavors of grace, right? And it's a very, very different approach to church. Like, um, in a consumeristic world, like, what can I get out of this? It's, wait a minute, I've been given a gift. How can I steward that gift, right? So that's our last whatever. Let me pray for us. Lord, for my brothers and sisters in this room, my gifted, gifted Brothers and sisters, it's, it's amazing that we use that word like that's for an exclusive class of people. Those are gifted people. Lord, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing that I look out on a room of 100% gifted people in Jesus Christ. We are gifted. Um, that is beautiful. That the Holy Spirit in us unconditionally gave us a supernatural ability to show the grace of God to other people in certain ways. Lord, hospitality, opening up our mouth, serving in some ways. There's just lists and lists. But what, God, for, the, for those in this room who are thinking, well, what could it be? I just pray that they would just start trying stuff out. Giving, giving stuff a shot, seeing how you've done it. Lord, I thank you for all the people who make 
this possible. For the people who are up here making videos and slides, for the people who make it so people can hear my voice that ain't that great, and um, just for people who send this out on the internet so that people all over the country can watch it. Um, so much service, so many people serving. I thank you for the people who make this a hospitable place. I thank you for those who teach others about Jesus. Lord, I pray that this would be a place where we're just operating in the stewardship of the grace of God. May you be glorified in the joyful service of your saints here, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Thank you.